Welcome to the Insomnia Coach Podcast. My name is Martin Reed. I believe that by changing how we respond to insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it, we can move away from struggling with insomnia and toward living the life we want to live. The content of this podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not medical advice and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, disorder, or medical condition. It should never replace any advice given to you by your physician or any other licensed healthcare provider. Insomnia Coach LLC offers coaching services only and does not provide therapy, counseling, medical advice, or medical treatment. The statements and opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily endorsed by Insomnia Coach LLC. All content is provided as is and without warranties, either express or implied. Night after night of wakefulness led Amy to a dark place where she saw no way out. She felt helpless and doomed to a life of insomnia. Ironically, Amy became friends with someone else who was struggling with insomnia. This friend ended up enrolling as a client of mine and started to experience improvements in their sleep. Amy learned more about the behavioral changes he was making and even though she assumed these wouldn't work for her, she figured she was already suffering so much, nothing she could do could make her situation worse. So, Amy started to spend less time in bed. She abandoned her sleep rituals and she shifted away from trying to control sleep and all the thoughts and worries her mind would generate. After weeks of ups and downs, Amy started to get more sleep, more consistently. Now, she averages around seven or more hours of sleep each night and considers her transformation nothing short of a miracle. Amy's story shows that no matter how desperate things feel, no matter how severe your insomnia may be, there is always hope. If you are willing and able to make some changes to your current sleep habits and your current relationship with the difficult thoughts and emotions that like to accompany insomnia, you can get to a place where you will realize that you can sleep. A full transcript of this podcast and an accompanying video can be found at insomniacoach.com forward slash podcast. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come onto the podcast. You're welcome. It's great to have you on and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So without any further ado, maybe we could just start right at the beginning and talk about when your sleep issues first began. Um, When did they first begin and what do you think caused those initial issues with sleep? So uh, they began first in September of 2020. And I think the first thing that really happened is that we had raccoons in the attic and that was causing some interrupted sleep. Mm. Um, But it began um, sort of in earnest when I was talking to a friend of mine and he mentioned that he was having sleep issues. 
And because I had had insomnia once before in 2013, I was very superstitious about talking about sleep. And when he told me what was happening, I suddenly got scared like, oh my God. Mm. And I just suddenly knew I wasn't gonna sleep that night. Just because of him telling me about his, it triggered something and that's when it really started. See, I, I hear you mentioned the word some superstition around insomnia. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, um, since I had this, uh, the insomnia in 2013, um, and I had resolved it finally, but it was really difficult to resolve. Since then, I'd always felt, um, well, superstitious. Like I, you know, once I was sleeping again from that first one, um, I kind of like mentally didn't want to get anywhere near the idea of not sleeping again. Mm. So that's what I meant by superstitious. So I knew that if I kind of like started to think about that much, that there was a danger of it happening. And then when it did come up with him, since he was a close friend and I often empathized with him, it just kind of triggered this thing that set that off again. So it, it almost sounds as though you had this completely understandable desire to just kind of not even want to think about sleep. You know, anytime those sleep related thoughts or thoughts related to insomnia kind of pushed into your head, you wanted to try and push them out and you would really be conscious about trying to avoid any kind of situation or circumstance whereby you might even start to think about sleep or insomnia. Yeah. Does that sound about yeah. right? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think, I think a lot of people are going to identify with that, you know, because <laughs> yeah. you know, I think it, it can be, it can be quite helpful um, in the short term, you know, just to try and avoid any situation or circumstance where we think or talk about sleep or insomnia. But as you kind of discovered over the longer term, it can be really hard to kind of control our life or control our thoughts in that kind of way, because our brain's always going to want to think things and it becomes really difficult to sustain that thought suppression or yeah. that experience suppression. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And there was more to why the actual insomnia began than just getting that sort of thing from my friend. Mm. Um, but then you're also bringing up the whole idea about thoughts and controlling your thoughts and having done like a lot of meditation and been on a sort of spiritual path for a long time. I had mm. a lot of experience with, sort of trying to stop my thoughts and control my thoughts and sort of come to a deeper place of no thinking. Um, but that's kind of getting a little bit ahead of myself in the whole sort of story of how this began. Um, so the other stuff that was happening is that um, for certain things had not gone the way I had wanted them to. Um, and I was kind of, um, I don't know what, settling into a new situation at this time last fall. And then I started getting fear. And once the fear started happening, um, you know, I kind of got in this whole relationship with the fear and trying to not go into the fear mm -hmm. and then be being encouraged by a teacher to you know, just let myself experience the fear. Mm -hmm. um, and then these other things were happening where I was, I have some properties and I suddenly had 
to um, get them all inspected, get them repaired, pass inspection. And then by that time, um, I had started to not sleep. And so that, you know, once you start not sleeping, you get into this whole downward spiral where it becomes really difficult to feel positive. And um, it kind of, you know, I'm sure people watching will identify, it just like wrecks your life completely. And I found myself feeling incapable of doing things that ordinarily I could do without any problem. Mm. So one, you know, everything kind of just went down into a negative, vicious circle. Yeah, definitely. I I think uh, that was a big insight that you just touched upon where you said that there was a teacher that you were working with and they said, maybe instead of trying to avoid or to fight or to run from these difficult or uncomfortable thoughts and emotions such as fear, maybe if we can get to a place where we're more willing to experience those emotions or those thoughts Mm -hmm. or those feelings, it can sometimes be a bit more helpful because often where we get caught up is in that struggle, that completely understandable desire to avoid uncomfortable thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And that's kind of where we can get a little bit trapped sometimes. Yeah. Well, I had a lot of experience in my prior life of just going into emotion and experiencing emotion and just coming out the other side. Mm. Um, The problem with this was that when I would attempt to go to sleep, that would all surface. And Mm. then I would you know, sort of have this long, long stretch of time through the entire night um, of sort of going into it and coming out of it and having it surface again and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I I think a lot of us can probably recognize that when there's some strange or unusual or stressful or difficult periods of our life you know you mentioned like having raccoons in the attic or having having all those issues with you know houses you've got to get through inspection lots of stress we're gonna probably experience some temporary sleep disruption you know just as a normal kind of human response and normally our sleep gets back on track when we've adjusted or these issues are no longer as relevant but in chronic insomnia and a longer term struggle with sleep, we often see that even when those initial triggers are no longer present, the sleep issues kind of remain. Um, so yeah, that's you, what you, happened to me because I did eventually get everything inspected, a past inspection, mm. got the licenses, and I thought that it would be over then, but unfortunately it wasn't. And then also mm. in the middle of getting through, this was in December by then, um, getting everything finished, I developed um, a physical issue. And so that physical issue then started to become another source of fear because I had no idea what it was, how to treat it, what to do about it. So once the first issue was okay, you know, then it just like glommed onto the next thing. If we were able to eliminate any like triggers for sleep disruption or recurring or fresh triggers for sleep disruption. Why do you feel like those sleep issues kind of stuck around even when 
those initial triggers were no longer an issue. Do you think it was more related to maybe your past experience struggling with sleep or just the kind of thought processes, your kind of relationship with sleep or just all, all those sleep related thoughts, worries and ideas, maybe they were contributing to this ongoing disruption with sleep? Um, I think there were two things. I think one is that I kind of adjusted to living without hardly any sleep. And at this point, I think I was getting um, maybe two hours a night. It was, mm -hmm. I had, initially I had the type where um, I'd fall asleep for two hours and then I'd wake up and be unable to sleep after that. Um, but then it would also start careening into like no sleep at all, you know, just this sort of form of resting. So I think um, I got acclimated to not sleeping. And, um, and I felt as if I had sort of worked my way into this just dark place of living without sleep and struggling. And it seemed as if I had forgotten how to sleep. I mean, I was actually, I was quite sure that I was not ever gonna find my way out of this again, that I completely forgotten how to do it. Um, you know, and I didn't really have any hope that I would again, um, you know. So, so I think it had become like that kind of like habit thing. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a common thing that I hear from people is this concern or this worry or this belief that I think I've just forgotten how to sleep or I've lost the ability to sleep. And yeah. that as a statement in itself um, yeah. can be can be quite scary, quite worrying, quite concerning. And then, of course, that can feed into this heightened arousal that, that can then create some ongoing sleep disruption. Yeah, and it, I mean, it wasn't really just disruption. It was just night after night of not sleeping. Do you know, it wasn't like I'd sleep and I'd wake up, I'd sleep, I'd wake up. It was just lying there just for yeah. countless hours um, without sleeping. And I got into this thing where I was thinking like, well, okay, I'm not sleeping, but I'm resting. And, you know, let me just try to settle into as like sort of internally quiet a place as I can and just lie here and rest. If I can't sleep, at least I'll rest. Mm -hmm. um, I did some research and realized like that actually really was not a substitute for sleep, but I felt as if it was better than nothing. Mm. And so I would be in bed for these long periods of time, just lying there, like resting. Yeah. Yeah. And then and also sometimes I would, you know, find myself having to do that during the day as well, because mm. I was so tired all the yeah, time. I, <laughs> I was just so tired. Right. I think a lot of people listening to this are going to identify with you there, you know, because a common hallmark, a common thing that we see among people with chronic insomnia is spending a lot of time, usually in bed, but just a lot of time resting, a lot of allotting a lot of time for sleep. Um, resting during the day being more sedentary during the day because after difficult night after difficult night after nights of no sleep or very little sleep our brain is kind of screaming at us to conserve energy you're exhausted you're worn out but 
unfortunately, the way this kind of fatigue works is the more sedentary we are, often the more heightened that sense of fatigue can be. Um, and often, of course, when we're sedentary, we're not really doing anything else because by its very nature, we're sedentary. So the mind has nothing really to focus on apart from this ongoing thinking and worrying about sleep, which can again kind of feed into that ongoing, those ongoing sleep difficulties. I just got into this really dark place where I was lying there, you know, contemplating my character, thinking all kinds of negative things about myself. You know, it was sort of like go into all of that. Mm. Um, and then there was, God, there was, a, I, I, you know, I tried sleep medications initially and they didn't work at all. Um, I tried two and really it didn't help much. And then I tried and I was given another one and I had an allergic reaction to it. And that was probably like the lowest point because I got this rash all over my body. It was causing my nerves to do all this jangly stuff through the night. I couldn't even like lie there comfortably. So I think that was probably the all you know the absolute low and of course depression comes on during all of this too and really bad thoughts and um God, thinking back on it now i mean it, it doesn't really make any sense logically but you know this is i mean you just sort of lose this ability to like live constructively I think that the psychological aspect of it is really, really important. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I can, I can just tell, you know, this different, this shift in the mindset of you describing the back then and the way you're reflecting on it now, you can just tell that your mindset has changed. You can think, well, you know, on reflection, now I'm, now I'm beyond this this way of thinking doesn't seem quite so logical um, as it maybe did back then. I just wasn't able to get to uh, a more rational place. Mm. You know, and I tried all sorts of things. But I did eventually get help with that. That help came first. Mm -hmm. um, wasn't, it didn't help get me rational, but... Um, it, it, it helped me to contend with this sort of darker aspect that uh, had become really, really strong, predominant mm. in my life, my waking life, as well as my lying there at night resting life. I can't call it my sleeping life because it wasn't sleep. It's just horrible. <laughs> it's just horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah, it really is. It really is very, very difficult, very challenging. Um, and that's this is why I like to have these discussions with guests like yourself, you know, because it shows that there is there is a way out, even when you feel like you're really deep in this struggle with sleep and with insomnia. Um, it is yeah. possible to to come out the other side of it, no matter how hopeless you feel the situation might be at the present time. Yeah, even if you don't believe it, and I didn't believe it either. Yeah. I mean, I kept trying things, but um, yeah, I didn't, I, I, I thought that was it. 
Yeah. You, what, let's talk about that because you mentioned that there were a few things you tried, you know, that you'd, you'd uh -huh. increase the amount of time you'd spend resting. Um, you tried the the route of medications, supplements, things like that. Um, what other things had you, had you tried that looking back on it were probably not that helpful? Uh, sleep hygiene. <laughs> mm, yeah. And it's, it's so funny too, because, um, the sleep hygiene thing, I mean, it sort of logically made sense, but it didn't really mm -hmm. do anything, you know? And it was only when I heard you in a little discussion group saying that, that it didn't actually really help that, you know, I listened to that a couple of times and I realized like, oh, wait, you know, it really isn't doing anything. Wow. Mm. One one reason I think that these sleep hygiene techniques can be a bit of a bit of a trap a bit of a difficulty for people with insomnia is they just add a ton more rituals to our routine you know all these now we have all these things that yep. we might feel obligated we need to do and it almost becomes like a full-time job just preparing for sleep which is what the yep. opposite of what sleep really really should be it should be effortless um and because sleep hygiene isn't really effective for people with chronic insomnia, not only are we adding all these rituals, but then when they don't work or we don't actually find them all that helpful, we can then start to worry that something is uniquely wrong. You know, that, oh my goodness, even sleep hygiene isn't working. I must have some unique strain of insomnia. There really is no hope for me. As a standalone treatment, if someone has chronic insomnia and the only thing they try is sleep hygiene, mm -hmm. we would probably expect that person not to notice much improvement in their sleep because sleep hygiene is more of like a preventative measure. You know, I like to associate it with brushing your teeth. Um, it's great to brush your teeth, but once you've got that cavity, it doesn't matter how much, how often you brush your teeth, that cavity is not going to get fixed. You need something different. Yeah, that's really true. Yeah. Yeah. I kept it up anyway, <laughs> even though it wasn't helpful. Um, and yeah, I had a lot of rituals too that really didn't end up doing any good. Um, you know, I would do yoga, I would meditate. Um, sometimes I would try meditating in the middle of the night. Um, well, I mean, that might have the effect of sort of, you know, bring me, I don't know what the word is, but sort of like more relaxed. Mm. Um, I mean, the really funny thing about the whole thing is that um, I could get to a place of not thinking, but I couldn't turn my awareness off. I couldn't turn my, my consciousness off in order to sleep. That was what made me think this was it. There was no way out of this. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's great that you mentioned that because I think a lot of people are going to identify with that because often our ongoing quest is to figure out how to flip that switch, how to turn our consciousness off or how to press on for sleep to happen. And often it's that desire or our attempts to make that happen. That's mm. where we can get caught up because if we just go out on the street and ask someone who sleeps well what they do to make sleep happen, you know, you probably get that blank stare and it's the very fact that they don't do anything. They make no attempt to make unconsciousness happen or to make sleep happen. They just go to bed. They don't do anything and sleep happens. It's when we try and completely understandably 
get involved in that process that it, it that can become you know the real root of the problem yeah you're right trying makes it worse actually yeah yeah so as as i as i understand it it was uh, you had a friend of yours was also struggling with sleep and you ended up using each other as like this as a kind of support system can you can you tell us a little yeah, bit more sure. about that yeah yeah i can um so i just happened to be in a conversation with someone who mentioned that they had insomnia and i didn't know them at the time and so i just reached out to them and said listen i this really terrible insomnia too do you want to talk about it and he mm -hmm. said yeah and so we started to talk about it and um well i mean just talking about it, it that in itself didn't help specifically um but i don't know we started to trade little bits of information about what might be useful um and he started doing research and I started, I'd been doing all this research and trying all these different things. And um, we became like insomnia buddies. We hadn't, you know, really actually met, but we were doing this by text. And so, you know, we would wish each other a good night's sleep each night, you know, and all that sort of thing. Um, and then he encountered you on the internet. Um, and he decided that he was gonna spring for your program. Um, I should say that I had already encountered your stuff months before that, and even started getting the initial emails. Um, but because I'd gotten so paranoid, I, especially about finances, I didn't wanna spend the money, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. It was kind of like, I'm going to find some other way out of this, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay for this. And I kind of like, didn't trust you it also, to yeah. be frank. Um, it, you know, I thought, well, I'll just spend the money and I still won't sleep. Like, I'm not going to do that. I didn't really get it. And I just assumed it wouldn't work. And honestly, it sounded too brutal. Mm. It <laughs> really, it's it just sounded too too damn hard because I was also already so exhausted that the idea of like being in bed for a shorter period of time like you know there was no way I was going to do that on top of yeah. what I was already suffering it was already hard enough I wasn't going to make it worse yeah yeah okay. you know I think at it can be really difficult to come to terms with some of these techniques like <laughs> spending less time in bed for example because we equate more time in bed with more time asleep or more opportunity for sleep um yeah. but you know the fact of the matter is what i think can be helpful is to just ask yourself is what i'm doing at the current time proving to be helpful um it might make you feel more comfortable you know spending long, long periods of time in bed. But is it really proving to be helpful, helping you reach your longer term goals? Um, if it's not a problem and you're comfortable spending really long periods of time in bed and you don't feel that it's kind of affecting your life in any way, it's helping you live your life according to your values, then obviously there's no need to make any changes. 
but maybe if you can recognize that this isn't really helping me, um, my sleep doesn't appear to be taking advantage of all these hours I'm spending in bed. Um, maybe it's leading to some more fatigue or it's, it's not really giving me that light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes it can be helpful to just think, well, maybe I can just make a change just for a couple of weeks, you know, as kind of an experiment. And let's just see if it does make any changes, if it is something that I want to pursue. Um, but but no, your sleep, you're speaking very logically. And, I, you know, <laughs> in this state of insomnia, um, logical thinking wasn't really the norm for me. Yeah. You know, it was more like what felt like, you know, what felt like it might help. And, and it didn't feel like being in bed for a short period of time would help. Mm -hmm. um, so it, for, you know, my decision-making capability was not so great. You know, mm -hmm. what you're saying is really logical and makes a lot of sense, but um, I wasn't really making my decisions based on logic yeah. and rationale at that time. Yeah. Now I can, but then I, right. you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, you know, insomnia does this thing to you where it, 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 you kind of just become, or I did really negative, mm -hmm. you know? So what actually did convince me was that he signed up with your thing and he started to get these email instructions and he started to make progress. I felt like, damn, you know, I'm not going to let him get ahead of me. <laughs> and I thought, shoot, if it's working for him, like, oh, my God, I better do it, too. Right. Mm -hmm. So he was willing graciously to share with me the information you were giving him. Mm -hmm. And so I just started following the same instructions. Mm -hmm. But it was really more like an ego thing, honestly, mm -hmm. that caused me to finally think, oh, my God, you know, can't let this happen. So, um, and then the other thing is that I realized that um, all I was really being asked to do was to stay up later. Like the part about getting out of bed earlier, well, I wasn't going to deal with that. But it did start to dawn on me that, well, you know, to go from like 9.30, which had become the time that I got in bed, to like 11.30, you know, I could just sort of sit upright and wait, you know, and those two hours would pass. And then I could try getting in bed then, do you know? Mm. But another thing that made a difference too was the distinction between fatigue and tiredness and sleepiness. Because I wasn't experiencing any sleepiness. Mm. You know, masses of fatigue, but not sleepiness. Yeah. So, so what happened when you started to stay out late? Was it just you noticed a change maybe from that sense of fatigue and exhaustion? It maybe started to turn into something else, something more akin to actual sleepiness. Was, was that, how yeah. you, is that how you describe it? Yeah, it did. Um, it did. It turned into sleepiness. Um, and I think in the beginning, it didn't really make much difference. Um, 
And I have to say the part that was really difficult for me was to get out of bed in the morning mm -hmm. because initially I was getting out of bed late also. Um, and so I knew I had to scale that back and my sleep buddy was now getting up at 5.30 in the morning and <laughs> that just seemed like something I just couldn't do. So I didn't do it, mm -hmm. um, but I did start to get out of bed earlier and earlier. And um, as I got used to it, I guess the period of time I was in bed, you know, got shorter and shorter. Mm -hmm. um, so I think what started to happen initially was that I started to get those first two hours of sleep again and then I'd wake up and then there'd be a long stretch of time during which I just lie there and then I maybe would get another hour say from four to five you know so I'd put those together and I'd have like three hours okay well three is better than two you know and slowly slowly I'd get maybe two and then a long stretch and maybe another two, say four to six, something like that. Mm -hmm. So then it was four hours. And then maybe through, you know, three hours in the beginning and two in the morning. And that was the huge victory because now that was three plus two was five. Yeah. Oh my God, this mm -hmm. is it. I've got five hours. It was broken sleep, but, you know, broken by a lot, but at least it was a bit more. So really slowly I would get these pieces and the pieces would extend a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. And so it increased the amount of overall time I was getting each night. Yeah. And then I had one night when I slept for six hours and it was just like amazing, you know, like, oh, wow. Like, like I won this work, like, oh my yeah. God, you know? Um, and my experience of the day was so different, but then the next night I couldn't sleep again, you know? So it was like that. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess that went on for about a month and a half. Um, and it just gradually, gradually, increased over time and then mm -hmm. the pieces would sometimes merge and sometimes not so sometimes i would get like five hours straight then the next night i wouldn't mm -hmm. and then you know so it it happened really slowly over a period of time um and then i started to sleep through the night you know maybe five hours at first and then after a while, maybe it was six, alternating five, six, five, six, six and a half, mm. back to five, you know, like that. Um, and I think that started around April. So through the, the month of April was the first month that I started to actually sleep every night. Wow. Yeah. That's great. And then it got longer. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm sleeping every night. I mean, periodically I might have a night of like four hours or something, mm -hmm. but basically now I think it's around seven, seven and a half, sometimes eight, sometimes mm -hmm. longer. 
But the point is I can now just get in bed and fall asleep. That's mm. just amazing. <laughs> That's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. It's really incredible. You know, listen, listening to you describe the process, what something that stood out for me was how you mentioned, all right, when you first heard about this technique of spending less time in bed, first thought is that just sounds uncomfortable, sounds brutal, sounds like it's not going to be helpful, sounds like something I just can't even consider right now. But you allowed yourself to think about it. Um, and then maybe it was kind of percolating in the back of your mind for a while. Um, and then you heard about your friend doing it, was finding it helpful. So instead of kind of, you know, maybe just going crazy and only spending like four or five hours in bed, you started off a little bit more gradually, you know, maybe with a little bit more, maybe some more self-compassion or something. You just said, okay, I'll just stay up later for a, a couple of hours. Um, I won't worry too much about the time I get out of bed for now. I'll just start by going to bed a couple of hours later. And I think that's great because what happened there really was you got started. You know, even if we only feel comfortable starting off by maybe going to bed an hour later or two hours later, that's still, I think, something that can be a really positive step. Um, because then if we do start to notice some improvements, kind of gives us that confidence and that motivation to then then maybe make a few more changes maybe go to bed a little bit later or maybe then really work on getting out of bed at that, a, a consistent time in the morning which can then lead to further improvements so i think that's helpful that you describe that process because some people might think that for it to work you've kind of got to go all in you know no looking back you've got to be really strict re really brutal with yourself you know like sergeant major style but you don't you can just start with small steps in the right direction and that can really be a great way to get started on on this transformation that basically which is what you've experienced yourself yeah i'd say it's true although i mean actually the thing is i completely ruled out trying this you know right. in the beginning yeah. yeah it wasn't like i was just sort of like thinking like maybe this would work maybe it wouldn't it was like there's no way in hell i'm gonna do this yeah so yeah. was it just because your your was it just because the experience of your friend doing it and getting results that gave that just made you give it a try or was, was yeah. there anything else? Yeah. It was, it was because I'd heard about this from several people by mm -hmm. then, you know, um, and yeah, and just said no way. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that's just a characteristic of my personality. I'm not proud of, you know, but um, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, I guess I hate to say it, but yeah, it was true. It was like, I wasn't going to let him start sleeping and I wasn't going to. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, but whatever it was, you know, it doesn't really matter. It caused me to, to start to do that little bit of it, exactly. right? Just that piece. You know, I think it's helpful to be a little bit self-compassionate and understanding because we've tried a lot of things, right? When we've been struggling with sleep, we've tried a lot of different things and yet most of them haven't proved to be helpful. So when we come across yet another suggestion or yet another technique and we're just kind of told to blindly trust it and when it sounds as though it might be uncomfortable, like spending less time in bed, 
it makes complete sense that our brain's default position is going to be, uh-uh, no way. It's going to be another one of these things. We're going to try. It's not going to work. But this one just sounds like we're going to put ourselves through torture and not get any results. So I think it's understandable why we would yeah. have that hesitancy or want to just rule it out as a default position. That's completely understandable. Yeah, I would say that, that self-compassion was not... Um, not something I had in spades through all of this. Mm. And actually um, gaining self-compassion has been a big part of what I did actually learn from this experience. And now the current experience I'm having trying to resolve the other physical issue that you know developed while I was going through this. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, it's really important to have self-compassion, but... Um, something I was lacking in. Yeah, I think self-compassion is a big thing that we we tend to not really pay much attention to or kind of gloss yeah. over. But it, I, I like to think of self-compassion as just acting like a best friend, but to yourself. You know, so if a friend of ours comes to us with a struggle, we tend not to have any trouble being compassionate at that time. But when it comes to our own struggles, sometimes we can be hard to, we can it can be hard to have that same level of compassion. Um, and especially when it comes to sleep issues, you know, when we have difficult nights, we can be really hard on ourselves. You know, we can kind of blame ourselves even for having a difficult night. And we, 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 can, we tend to get lost then. Um, and I, so that's why I think this having this self-compassion can be really helpful. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is. Um, I, I I remember, I mean, I was sort of, I was trying to develop it, um, but it, it didn't come easily. Um, and in fact, I think really the self-compassion started more after I was already sleeping, you know, and it's really more developed, you know, where I'm having to be really gentle with myself and listen mm -hmm. to my body and talk to my body. And, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it's come along more later. But if, yeah. if anybody has it, yeah, that's definitely an asset. I, I completely agree. And I think it, what a practical way, I think, that we can just give us practice some self-compassion might just be, you know, after a difficult night, maybe doing something nice during the day, um, you know, like treating ourselves, giving almost like giving ourselves a reward or doing something that might help us feel, feel a little bit better because often our default position after really difficult nights um, might be to do less during the day, for example, um, or like kind of blame ourselves for a difficult night. If we can just do something kind for ourselves after a difficult night, not only can that be helpful just from that self-compassion standpoint, but it can also just slightly improve the quality of our day. Um, and maybe that could also come with a slight benefit of helping us recognize that what we choose to do during the day also can influence how we feel during the day and the quality of our day, rather than it being completely a hundred percent always determined by what happens during the night. Mm. I mean, that's a good point. I think you're right. It's, it's not something that I did or really was able to do. In fact, um, especially in the beginning, I think, 
a lot of it was sort of the opposite of that. You know, like I would lie in bed at night and think about things that were unresolved. Um, and then during the day, I was too exhausted to really, and I couldn't think clearly enough to really take on a lot of these things and resolve them. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, <laughs> um, you know, when I was, you know, like in the beginning when I was really desperate and I was like calling the the doctor helpline at my health insurance, you know, like frequently and trying to talk to somebody who would have something for me. I remember one doctor saying to me, um, well, the kind, you know, what you're dealing with of falling asleep and waking up two hours later, there's no medication for that. <laughs> you, know, you will not be helped by medication. He, didn't really offer a solution except to drink chamomile tea, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, the whole health industry thing was so not helpful. Um, and I went down that road many, many times looking for answers. Um, but I think what you're saying is true and right. If, if one can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, like you like you implied that it's not always easy to be self-compassionate it's not always easy to do some enjoyable things during the day after really difficult nights um, sometimes though we need to do things or it's worth trying things that might not come easily um, if nothing else just to try them out and just to see if they are they are going to be helpful or not yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, I'm still working on that yeah. now, you know, that's a process for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think it's a skill like self-compassion is definitely a skill. Um, just like relaxation is a skill. Um, it can be really easy for us to think that we should just have, have these abilities or these skills just as part of who we are but we don't. Um, and if we've never practiced self-compassion before, if we've never practiced relaxation before, we're not going to notice improvements um, right away. It's not going to come easy. It does take practice. It's, it's like any skill, you know, like learning, learning a new musical instrument, for example, we can probably realize that we're not going to become great guitar players the first time you pick up a guitar. But yet when it comes to more emotional skills, um, like self-compassion or relaxation, we can get trapped into thinking that it should be easy. But why should it be easy? It's not going to be easy if we're not skilled in those things. It does take practice. Mm -hmm. This is true. Um, something else that I like that you touched upon was when you started to go to bed later and you started to get these improvements in sleep was that these improvements weren't completely linear. It wasn't like one night was good, then the next night was better, the next night was just as good or better, the next night was just as good or better. There were ups and downs along the way, and it did take time. You know, It wasn't just this magical transformation that happened right away. It was something you kind of had to stick to with the ups and downs. Um, I think that's helpful for people to hear because we can kind of believe or expect or put pressure on ourselves to just do better and better every night after every night. But there are always, always ups and downs. Um, when you would, when you were going through that, like going through, maybe you had some better nights and then some difficult nights. 
how did you get through those difficult nights in terms of having that motivation to just keep going? I think when I shifted from going to bed at 9.30, and I don't honestly really know why I picked 9.30, um, nonetheless, when I shifted from going to 9.30 to going to bed at 9.30 to going to bed at 11.30, um, I don't know. I think I kind of made a commitment just to try this. Mm. Um, and then it suddenly didn't really make any sense to go to bed at 9.30 again, for example. Mm. Do you know? Yeah. Um, and it started to make a kind of sense. And I started to realize like, oh, wait a minute, this is this thing that could work. So I'll just keep doing that, mm -hmm. you know, and I was going to get in bed anyway, every night. So um, I might as well just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't really like at that point, it made any sense to go back to what I've been doing before. Like it wouldn't yeah. have made any sense to like start taking trazodone again, do you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I just got in the habit of going to bed at 1130. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes it was, I'd be at that like head bobbing phase by 1130, but it, it just became like the new thing I was doing. Mm -hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I think it, it does make sense. And it's something that some people can struggle with. Some people, like yourself from what you're saying can kind of just come up with this mindset of like, I'm just going to set it and kind of forget about it. So I'm just from now on, I'm just going to not go to bed at, in your example, nine 30, I'm just going to go to bed at 11 30. And whether it's a good night, an okay night, really difficult night, doesn't matter the next night, I'm still going to go to bed at 11 30. And I think that can be really helpful because what it does is it shifts our, attention and our efforts onto something we can control like we can control the time we choose to go to bed yeah. um, away from our brain's default position of trying to put effort into sleep or trying to control sleep um, trying to monitor for sleep so instead of oh, i'm having a really difficult night i've got to sleep um maybe tomorrow i should go to bed earlier getting caught up in all those thought processes we just have this default process of I'm still going to go to bed tomorrow at 11.30. And so you stick to this, you make this commitment, like you said, you commit to the to what you can control, which is your behaviors, kind of accept the things that we can't control, which is what happens from night to night. And if we can be consistent with that approach, I think it gives us the best opportunity to experience those ongoing improvements like you explained you know where sleep is still a bit fragmented but every now and then there'd be that little bit of extra sleep um then a little bit of extra sleep a little bit less sleep a little bit more wakefulness until you had that real what sounded like a, that breakthrough moment where you just had that stretch of unbroken sleep and that sounds like maybe that was like that real light bulb moment for you yeah until the next night when it didn't happen again yeah you know? Um, yeah, 
it's so funny, like looking back on it, like how I would lie there and I would sort of try to sort of, I mean, I remember at one point I was trying, I was like trying, right? I was trying to sort of settle further, deeper, deeper, deeper into sleep. Mm. It didn't work either, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember hearing you say something about all you really have to do is get in bed and close your eyes, you know? And I thought, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, remember that? Like, that just sounds like way too easy. But it's really, I mean, the thing about all of it is that it's involuntary, do you know? I mean, yeah. there's so much we have no control over whatsoever and it has to just be turned over to the body. Yeah. And all our trying yeah. is kind of useless. That is, that's definitely where we get caught up when we try to control uh, the process of sleep. Um, that's why I think struggle is a great word because we get involved in that struggle. We're struggling with sleep, trying to make sleep happen. And the struggle really is what the problem is. It's the fact that we're involved in that struggle, but it makes sense why we do because we want to fix the problem. So we're going to put effort into it, but sleep is that one thing that doesn't respond well to effort. You know, one reason why I think like the technique that you found helpful, like of going to bed later, spending a little bit less time in bed is it can still give us, it can satisfy our desire to do something, you know? So I think it's hard to just hear, don't do anything. That's the problem is you're doing too much to try and make sleep happen. Just don't do anything. So then you kind of go to bed and it's like, all right, how do I not do anything? And you, cause your brain wants that thing to do. Right. So I think having some helpful things to do, like going to bed later to build that sleep drive, that can be helpful because now we've got some changes that we can make or some behaviors we can implement to satisfy our desire to do something that can help create better conditions for sleep without us falling into that trap of trying to directly control sleep or make sleep happen. How, how would you describe like an average night th these days? Oh, I mean, I just get into bed and fall asleep. Periodically though, um, I wake up in the middle of the night. And yeah. um, one of the other issues for me is that um, my spouse comes to bed later than I do and then meditates for a while and there's candles on and, you know, all this stuff. And um, previously I'd always just slept right through that. And when I had insomnia, of course, that felt like a hindrance mm -hmm. to my being able to fall asleep. Um, and then now I just sleep right through it again. But most of the time now, yeah, I just fall asleep and then I wake up in the morning. It's wow. kind of a miracle, really. I mean, there are nights when I've got to wake up really early in the morning, so I end up mm -hmm. with only like four and a half hours or something. But usually now, I'm, it's 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 like I just learned how to do it again. I think we've covered a lot of really good, really good ground, really good points. I'm really grateful for you to come on and share your experience and your, your transformation at the end of the day and is what I consider it to be. But there yeah. is one last question that I'd like to ask you before I let you go. Um, and it's yeah. a question that I ask everyone. So um, it's this, 
If someone with chronic insomnia is listening and feels as though they've tried everything, that they're beyond help and that they just can't do anything to improve their sleep, what would you tell them? I would tell them to try this. I would tell them to try it. Even if it seems like it's too hard and too brutal, just, just give it a shot. Just, you know, try maybe just going to bed a bit later. It worked for me. I don't know if it will work for everyone, um, but it's certainly worth a try. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I really liked what you said too, at the end of those videos, like you can sleep, you know, your because your body will eventually remember, even if it seems like you can't. I think that's a great note to end on. So thanks again for taking the time to come onto the podcast, Amy. It's been great to have you on. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Insomnia Coach Podcast. If you're ready to move away from struggling with insomnia and toward living the life you want to live, I would love to help. You can get started right now by enrolling in my online course, or you can book my phone coaching package. My online course runs for six weeks. It will help you make changes that can create better conditions for sleep. It will help you identify and get rid of any behaviors that might be making sleep more difficult, and it will help you respond to insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it in a more workable way. You can work through the course in two ways. You can choose the self-coaching option and work through it by yourself with the support of an online forum that is available only to clients. Or you can choose to add one-on-one email coaching and work through the course with me by your side. With the one-on-one coaching option, you get unlimited email access to me for eight weeks, starting from the day you enroll. Anytime you have a question or concern, anytime you're unsure about anything, anytime you want to focus on the challenges you face or any difficulties that show up, you can email me and I will be there to coach and support you. With the phone coaching package, we start with a one hour call, voice only or video, your choice, and come up with an initial two week plan that will help you create better conditions for sleep and practice moving away from struggling with insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it. You get unlimited email access to me for two weeks after the call and a half hour follow-up call at the end of the two weeks. You can book the phone coaching package at insomniacoach.com forward slash phone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Insomnia Coach podcast. I'm Martin Reed, and as always, I'd like to leave you with this important reminder. You can sleep. <laughs>